Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I'm so excited to bring some truth to you guys today, but I also want to start out with saying that you are so worth loving. Today's guest is a social entrepreneur, writer, speaker, and a creative director. She is also the founder of a lifestyle clothing brand, So Worth Living, So Worth Loving, y'all nobody's perfect in this industry this isn't getting cut out <laughs> this is what you're getting this is real <laughs> today we've got miss Erin eddie on the show Erin and her work have been featured on cnn msnbc mashable oprah magazine jezebel southern living and atlanta magazine her new book so worth loving is available everywhere on january 19th and without further ado here's my interview with miss Erin. Eddie, Aaron, so worth loving, not living. I mean, this life is so worth living, but (laughs) at the same time, it's so worth loving. Oh, you know what? In your defense, we also own SoWorthLiving.com, just in case. There we go. (laughs) The funny thing is, before the interview, I was like, I kept saying so worth living. And then I kept thinking it. And then like, I put it in all caps on here, but it's that overthinking mechanism in me. That's just like, so worth living. We're here for yes. it, but it is so <laughs> worth loving. <laughs> but that's right. I'm so, but your life is worth living. So it is, know. it is so worth living. And that's basically the whole message of the podcast here. It's like, we want to give people mm. tips, tricks, whatever they need to keep living and just feel comfortable in their own skin. So thank you for being a part of this. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I just, I'm a huge fan. So I'm honored. (sighs) The honor is mine. (laughs) My heart is full right now. (laughs) But after reading your resume, I feel like I should just let you take over and that I should retire because you've seen it all. You've done it all. You have dope tattoos. You, your back, like your living room looks like it's all set up nicely. What do you have a grandfather (laughs) clock back there? do it's my parent my parents manufactured furniture there it is the santa fe grandfather clock <laughs> come on and you got a plant and it's not dead yeah, come on i know and i brought i brought more plants you can see there's more yes more little cacti that. in there they were a dying bunch of cacti you know, it's there you go <laughs> it's not a cact they're not cactuses maybe cactuses cactuses is cacti <laughs> Oh my gosh. So with everything that's been going on in this pandemic and writing this book Mm -hmm. and even getting to the PR aspect, which is why you're here today, I would like to think, but I have a feeling this is going to be more of a good convo than a book pitch. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be that. Um, How have things been going with your brand? Mm. Oh, it has been such a wild ride. This is probably my fourth or fifth interview Uh, on the book since I just started this journey. And it is so fun to talk about it verbally because I have talked about it inside my head and then on paper, Mm -hmm. but like to be able to be in video and talk about what God has done in the company. And then in my life through this book is just, it's so life-giving and it's kind of surreal. And uh, I feel like I'm learning more and more in every interview that I do. Um, how much, uh, like just being able to verbally process the journey has been just really cool. It's been really cool. That's awesome. And when did you start this clothing brand? Yeah, I started it almost 10 years ago. 
You've been in business, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> 10 years, still growing strong. I was looking at your brand website before we even got on here, and I was like, they've got it going on. I even sent it to one of my friends has a clothing brand, and I was like, look at this website. Like, where the uh, message, like everything about it is just, it feels inclusive, and mm. it just feels like, this is a company that I would be so honored to get behind. Mm. It's not like you're just going to throw something random on a t-shirt and sell it. Like thought has gone into this. Yeah. I mean, since the beginning, you know, it was before like inspirational t-shirts were really a thing. And it was before social media really was a thing when we, when we got started. And uh, I mean, the only other brand that was out there that I could really think of that was kind of inspiration. What was inspiration is inspirational is life is good. Mm. Um, that was the only other organization and company that I really kind of admired and looked up to and just studied more about on how they were able to keep their mission on point, um, impact many and make it sustainable. Mm. They've always been a model for me. And so when we got started, we just made it very, like when I watched life is good, mainly they have like three or four different messages, but that's mainly that life is good. No matter what you are going through, there's some goodness. I loved that. And so with So Worth Loving, we we just made a very conscious choice. We are going to stand by So Worth Loving as our mission and message versus a a ton of different inspirational ton of inspirational graphics and things like that on t-shirts. So that's so nice to hear that. And it's cool because it's like, we started off as product and then we've, we've evolved into this community of individuals that want to learn how to live their life through the lens that they're worthy of love. And I've, I've gone, that's what the book's about. Like I've gone through the ups and the downs and the skepticism and, um, of what it means to live your life through the and jadedness, uh, learning to live your life through the lens that you're worth loving. And so it's been, yeah, 10 years. Crazy. That's wild. <laughs> so with it being 10 years ago, how did it start for you? Their drop shipping wasn't as much of a thing 10 years ago as it is now. So did yeah. you pack and ship out of your house and everything like that? Drop shipping wasn't like not even on the no. table, not even print on demand, like print on demand was not a thing. Um, I'm so grateful that those are our options now, especially for entrepreneurs that are starting off that have a dream and want to create product. And what, what I did was I first started spray painting people's shirts for free. So I had a music, uh, music blog. I pursued music. Um, I was licensing my music to TV shows and commercials and y'all, it was like pop electronica, just, you know, so cheesy, but it was awesome. What was your, what was your name? Was it just Aaron Eddy? DJ I went Ari E. <laughs> DJ DJ Eddie. <laughs> I'm DJ looking Eddie. this up after we get off. This is good. I went by Eddie. I just went by just my last name because my last name is the meaning of my last name is a a current that goes against the mainstream in a pond or in a, in a lake or in a river or in a, in a big, big body of water. And so yeah. I loved that my last name was, you know, a current going against the mainstream. So I was like, my, my music is going to be out of that. <laughs> Except for my music sounded mainstream. So, you know. <laughs> so you mentioned that you license it out for movies and stuff. What, have we heard it anywhere? 
Um, it was on, it's <laughs> so funny. It was on, I, I licensed it to MTV, VH1, Oxygen Channel, and um, Lifetime. Let's go. And it was on the Kardashians and Real World Road Rules and Bad Girls Club. And I just remember when I signed the contract for my music to be on these places, I was just like, dear Lord, please let my music not be placed in any inappropriate places. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And he said, well, your music's not inappropriate, but we're going to put it in some really interesting places to be a light. Let's go. That's right. Exactly. Trevor, exactly. And that was what was so cool. Like when Chloe and Lamar, when they were together, when they broke up, my love song was the the instrumental that when they were reconciling on the show, which was kind of cool. <laughs> Reconciliation with DJ Eddie. <laughs> Just go back into it. It's so good. <laughs> Reconciliation with DJ Eddie. They're going to license awesome. it out for like, uh, I'm trying to think of what a soap opera. We were talking about um, Nicole with Epic before this. She's like a huge buff for The Bachelor. Oh my gosh, I love we it. We should get your song <laughs> on The Bachelor and just DJ Eddie and just like, did you hear that? I don't know if you've ever worked with like video, um, like free licensing for music oh, yeah. for videos, but you know, like audio jungle where it's like audio jungle. Yes. Audio it's so jungle. like you want to find the perfect song for your YouTube channel. Don't go looking for it on YouTube because you're going to hear <laughs> golden goose productions or something random like that. Like so Santa true. spit in a cup. Like what? <laughs> Who so came true. up with this? Like, I understand <laughs> it's free, but sometimes we just need to pay for some art, you know? I agree. I agree. Yes. Well, so, well and it's funny you say that because when I, when I was doing music, I wanted to create some sort of product. I didn't have any money and drop shipping wasn't a thing. So I decided to put my home address on my blog, on my Tumblr blog. Cause that was when Tumblr was a thing. When was that? Um, like a real thing. You don't know what Tumblr is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> make me so old. <laughs> <laughs> I put it out there and I said, mail me a personal shirt and I'll spray paint that you're so worth loving. And I'll mail it back to you for free. And I, I did that for eight months. And then I screen printed small, like a, like five smalls, 10 mediums, yeah. seven larges, you know, and I shipped it out of my house and I did that for, I shipped out of my house and then I had a few retail stores along the way and a fulfillment facility that we, that we had, that we did everything in house for, uh, I guess it would be six, six years. Wow. I did that for six years and then drop shipping and, and print on demand became, um, more accessible and easier to work with and sure. more predictable, especially right now during the times. But um, margins aren't as good for businesses that want to do that. But um, I do love managing it ourselves because we have the freedom to be able to write letters and notes in people's orders. We, mm -hmm. when we receive people, when people order our shirts, they write in the notes, like, can you, can you put this note in? This is for my friend that's overcoming an eating disorder right now, or a friend that just went through a breakup. And so we're able to be a little bit more personable when we do it internally than yeah, I'm uh, outsourcing. I started off with drop shipping for my brand. And then I, like, when the pandemic hit, tour got shut down. So I came home and I was like, well, 
we're bringing it in house. And yes. so I ordered the inventory. I took that leap of faith and I I'm so glad I did because margins were so much better, but also mm-hmm. I write the handwritten notes with each and every single order and yeah. that's almost become a therapy for me. And it's mm-hmm. just like just like your brand says, you're so worth loving. Like, how can I get that message across to people? Like in a simple note, like um, the clothing brands, fear is a liar. The whole message is you're stronger than your symptoms. So how can I encourage someone that's struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever objection they have in their life? How can I help them to feel a little bit better about their self today and maybe get them in the chair to see a therapist? Yes. So It's just so unique to hear about other people that are doing it big time and like actually make making it a point to be personable because you don't see that as yeah. much. Like I don't see Kanye West sitting aside to write and no, not dissing Kanye. Um, he just <laughs> like I don't see him putting a note in his easy boxes, which would probably make him a lot more money. So you never know. You never know, but you know, you're right though. There is that personal touch and I think it keeps you connected to the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're, when you're removed from touching the product, uh, it just becomes an afterthought and you don't get to see, like when you see people's names, you, you see that your mission's impacting that name, uh, versus an order number. And I think that's, what's been so special about so worth loving is that we do pay attention. It's, I mean, since the very beginning, no many, no matter how many shirts we manufacture and produce monthly, it's like, we want to see every name. It's just been a standard for us. And, um, to this point, we've been able to do that. Um, now I, I could see it becoming harder if you are like a brand like life is good (laughs) yeah to see every name but i think if you put the right people in place you can still keep that personal touch oh for sure and with everything being said about your brand and the book coming out what started so worth loving for you Mm, the book or the business everything about it how did your story turn into Mm -hmm. a brand and then turn into a book you know, I think that I, well, when I started spray painting shirts, people were writing letters about why they felt unworthy of love. And I just felt so moved by people's vulnerability and just what they were going through. And, and, and they're just willing to share their process of bad days and good days and be honest with it. I think I desired so badly for me to be honest and vulnerable with my story, but I, didn't know how to do that, which is why I wanted to empower those that I was observing to do that. And it, until I went through a divorce um, a few years ago, and I, I kind of paused on working, I paused on like with So Worth Loving, I just kind of took a step back, I hit burnout, um, just a lot of depression and anxiety and just um, heartbreak and destructive choices out of those p- painful places. Um, as I started getting myself out of the hole, observing the stories that I had like and and reminding myself of the stories I had seen over the last, you know, six years, uh, five, six years of so worth loving. It gave me bravery. It gave me this like courage. It gave me this hope that I could get to the other side and I could even be okay in the middle of where I'm at right now. And, um, 
And so, so worth loving in some ways I'd like to think was a refuge for me. I think that I escaped to my business. I think I found my business as my purpose, as my place of value, ironically. Um, I think I, I was able to control my my staff culture, make it accepting, loving, welcoming. Um, I was able to control all of those things that I wasn't experiencing in my personal life. My so worth loving was my refuge, but it wasn't sustainable because it was all rooted in just um, insecurity, brokenness, lack of awareness, lack of ownership, um, lies, uh, just a lot of lot of stuff. Like I, it just was rooted in a lot of stuff. And so when I burned out, all that stuff came forward and so worth loving. Um, the message, uh, actually had a deeper meaning to me than just it being a company. I love that so much. And I can so relate with feeling like you're not good enough to be loved. Like even when the, um, brand for Trevor Talks became a thing. The reason I switched it from just being my name as the blog and what it started as was I didn't want to have my full name on anything because I felt too insecure to get behind it. So when I turned Mm -hmm. it into a brand, it was like the whole thing shifted for me and I could see it being not only a business, but something that other people can get behind but even mm-hmm. now when it comes to dating and stuff like that, I still struggle to see like, I don't see why that person would be interested in me. Even like I'm a hard case of like not having a clue when someone's being flirtatious. So <laughs> people will be shooting their shot and I don't see it. I, I just like, we're not seeing eye to eye. I'm assuming you're talking to my brother behind me or something. <laughs> like <laughs> I have no clue. So like working through therapy and um, you can see Jesus or you can have Jesus and see a therapist as a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. going through therapy was life changing for me for being able to like be vulnerable with myself to where I could be vulnerable with everyone else. And mm-hmm. once I found that piece of me, it was like, not to be cliche or anything, but I am worth loving. Like there are simple things about me that can be loved. Um, The Mm -hmm. simple and the complex things. So yes, I struggle with anxiety and panic disorder, but that's not my identity at all. And just like that revelation you had, like you are so worth loving. There's, and it doesn't have to be like, I feel like for me, all my friends are either getting married or having kids. And I don't see myself doing that for quite a minute. Like it's just, (laughs) I, I, and you could probably relate with this. You see yourself not being a workaholic, but I feel like I've built a community and I want to stand by that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like with being younger, like if I'm going to do it, I need to do it now. So when God provides that person that I'm just like, I can't live without you, then we'll talk about it. But I'm not going to go running after it full fledged, not being ready because I'm not ready to put myself through that. And I'm not going to toy someone around. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's, I mean, it's being just honest with where you're at is so important. I think when I was just making a lot of destructive choices. I had to be honest and look in the mirror as what, what was going on because what I desired for my life and then what I was doing where it looked 
like they were completely different. Like what I desired was to be in a healthy relationship, have healthy friendships and, um, great, strong community. And, and, you know, my, my career was successful, but I did have some form of a balance, like all these things, you know, that we put on our wish list or that we desire, but I'm like over here flirting with guys, going to bars, drinking a lot, um, not wanting to get out of bed. I'm depressed. I'm not wanting to brush my teeth. I'm just like, just withering away. And I had to decide, okay, I had to look, I remember I got home one night and I just looked in the mirror and I was just kind of like, what, what are you see? Like what, what you're seeing isn't, um, what you desire for your life, Aaron, but why do you keep choosing this thing? And not from a shameful space, but just to be honest with myself and just to, just to be like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? What, what is the root? And I went to a trauma therapist that it's just incredible. Was just is an incredible man, and um, he walked me through what you know. D- divorce specifically is a trauma. It's a, it's a death. It's a death of what you thought you had. It's a death yeah. to what is right now. It's a death of the future. It's a death of what you thought you were. What you thought that person was. I mean, just so many deaths around divorce. And um, he really walked me through it, and he helped me recognize the choices I were I was making was out of lies that I believed about myself from since I was young, since I was seven. And it was just a slow drip. It was a slow drip. You know, when you go through divorce, people ask, you know, well, what was the thing? Like why like suddenly happen? And it's, it didn't suddenly happen. It's, it was a slow drip of two people from when I was young and when they were young and we didn't take care of ourselves or believe that we were worthy of love and we didn't face or be honest with the things we struggled with. And so what you just said, it's so true. It's like being honest with yourself and where you're at is the most loving thing you can do for relationships around you, whether it's dating or marriage or friendships or um, family members. So when you went through the journey for the first time of learning to love yourself, I'm assuming that you've, thought you had found like exactly that piece you wanted. And then like you got into the whole marriage thing. Did you relapse after the divorce? If you don't mind me asking to like, I don't see why we even did this. Like I'm not worth it. Did you have that negative connotation come from the divorce? Um, When you say like relapse, you mean like fall back into. Yes. Yes. Like unhealthy patterns and stuff and thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts. Specifically, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so I met my former husband when I was 17. I was married when I was 21 and I was divorced by 30. And when I, um, when I, when I met him, I was like the good post, like poster child, good Christian girl did all the right things. You do all these things that will promise you. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, just, you know, I'm just so cute. I'm so Christian. Look at my shirt. It says God is dope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my journal, my journals have prayers. You know, I'm just a praying submissive wife. You know, I was like, Carrie Job before she was. <laughs> I was Carrie, if Carrie Job and Carrie Underwood had a baby, that was me. No, oh, just oh my gosh. <laughs> Except DJ Eddie E. <laughs> That's right. I love Carrie Job. Shout out to Carrie. She's, She's so great. good. Uh, um, DJ Eddie. <laughs> I, um, yeah. So when I, when I, so when I went through that, when I went through my divorce, um, I was judged by the Christian community. I 
I was just, it was, it was, it was a lot of mess. And I write about that. And, um, I write a lot about uh, deception and betrayal with friendships. And that, that's, that's one of the many things that just really, um, I guess traumatized me. Divorce does too, but I think betrayal and friendships, um, I, I think they leave such an impression on our heart, not to, uh, discredit my divorce. That was a different pain, but, um, Anyway, so when I when I went through my divorce, that after that, that's when I went into a spiral of poor choices and just there was no relapsing. It was just diving in into destructive behavior. And um I but it it looked like one choice and then another choice and then another choice and then another choice that led me to all of a sudden I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. I'm heartbroken. I look like a mess. I drink all the time. Um so it was like all of these poor choices after the divorce that led me to that place to look in the mirror. How did you learn to love yourself again? I, uh, I remember going through a breakup and I was dating this guy and um, I met his family. Uh, everything from the outside looked like it was like headed in the right direction on paper. It looked good. Um, but he broke up with me four or five days before Christmas and I just was devastated. And, you know, looking back, I can say I was devastated because he, in some ways, and this sounds awful, but it's just true. He masked my pain and it made me feel good. It wasn't, you know, I'd like to think that we had something special. And I, I do think we had special moments and special connection, but, um, what that relationship, when he broke up with me, all my baggage came flying forward. And I, that's when I saw, you know, I don't know how to love myself. I didn't know how to love someone else, even in that relationship, because I was, I was kind of experiencing him as a bandaid, you know, he was, he was, he was a bandaid over my wounds. And so when all that came flying forward, learning how to love myself really looked like, um, me tipsy in the bathtub, crying, asking the Lord after the breakup, this was like a month or two after I was still so heartbroken waiting for him to call me and he never did. And I was just like, just so sad. And I just remember praying out loud and going, God, like, where are you? And not like a, it was an anger, but it was more of a plea. It wasn't a demand. It was more of a begging. It was like, where are you in my life? Like, where, where are you? Where were you in my marriage when this happened? Where were you in my friendships when they said this? Where were you, where have you been? Where were you when I made these choices? I've done all of these right, good things up to, up to the divorce. And it like everything came flying forward for me to recognize, Oh, I don't, I don't love myself. And so when, um, I, prayed that prayer, that plea, and was like, where are you? I need you. Like I, and at that point I had been defying God. I've been kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know anymore. I'm just going to do my own thing. I, 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 I did his way and it led me here. So I'm going to do my way. Like that was kind of how I was very performance based. And so praying that prayer, I just was left with the impression of it just kind of all came over me. And I felt like the Holy spirit was like, I will just want to be invited in. Like you've, you've operated out of your own strength. Even when you thought you were walking 
with me, you are operating out of your own strength and your own will and your own power. I so badly want to be brought in. And when I brought, when I, I remember that moment, it was so like, it just left such an impression on my heart. There's no, there's no words to really articulate. And I try to explain it in the book because it was just, it was so beautiful. And I knew it wasn't of me because I had such a defiant, angry, stubborn, just mad spirit. Um, a rush of peace came over me and I it was for the first time I felt less alone. And I felt like somebody was showing up to help me with all my mess. Like, and, and I had been begging. I think that's why I had been hopping in relationships because I wanted someone to help me with sure. my mess. And it was the first time I felt like someone really is going to help me. And so over time I started making choices that reflected the desires um, that I wanted for my life, like healthy relationships and friendships and being debt-free. I had acquired a lot of debt after the divorce and um, I started just making choices. And so loving myself looked like surrendering to God. It looked like, um, and by surrender, it's really like playing to him, inviting him in, having a real honest conversation about the choices I'm making with him no, and, and seeing if he will it, what I know about him and what I have been told about him from other people is he who he says he is. Um, and I had nothing to lose. And oh. so, um, yeah, making choices that reflected my value, you know, not, not giving away myself so easily to people, whether it was my energy and time or whether it was sexually in relationships, uh, you know, loving myself look like, um, making, small, but big steps, Mm. um, to valuing who I am. I love that so much. And that so perfectly answers the next question, which was, was it truly look like to love yourself and how Mm. can someone that is feeling unloved get over that and move forward with their life? So that's phenomenal. I feel like the short answer to that is starting to take care of yourself and realize yourself as an asset. Like mm-hmm. being debt free is huge. That's a great way to love yourself. Just think of how much less stress there is with not having all those bills racking up. Oh. So that's phenomenal. Good for you. That's great. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Trevor. Well, you know, it's, and it's a lot of ownership. I think yeah. loving yourself is ownership. It's looking at and being able to admit the things that you chose that and, and not shaming yourself, but being like honest and saying, I made these choices. Like I have to like with debt, you know, like, Oh, I would just wince anytime a debt collector would call me. It would trigger a memory from five years ago when I was married of like, Oh, and so it was just, you know, walking towards it with grace and compassion and saying, this is not my forever. This is, this is a moment in time that I need to handle. And you grow so much stronger. Like your endurance comes over you, but it does, but endurance looks like crying a lot. And endurance <laughs> looks like having bad days. And it doesn't, it's not this, like, once I had that prayer in that moment in the bathtub tipsy, like, <laughs> it wasn't like the next day I was like, 
oh, here I am. I'm going to go and frolic and be with God. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have that light switch moment. Like Benny Hinn didn't show up in your bathroom and slap you in the face and you just like (laughs) fell back, dropped the drink and it was done. No, like it was a process. And I love it when people like, um, especially with all these movies coming out with people overcoming their struggles and like mental health is beginning to be like something you see on the big screen. And people are like, wow, I just need to have this one moment and it's all going to be over. But nah, honey, that was really a three hour movie and they compressed it into an hour and a half. And you saw Mm -hmm. what they wanted you to see, what they thought would be the most impactful. So it's great that you were influenced by it and that it energized you to get over that. But realize that that 10 minute scene is going to equate to maybe it could be 30 minutes or three years of your life. But it's good that you have that energy to like move forward with it. But wow, like Mm. it's it's so raw and so real to just be vulnerable with yourself. And Mm. just like I feel like nowadays people are getting more and more offended by things. But what happens when you start offending yourself? Mm -hmm. Like you made a decision you don't want to make. Are you going to sit there and have a me too moment with yourself or are you just going to pick and choose what you want to do? Like some people do with the Bible, unfortunately, but when it comes to your faith and this brand and meshing them together, what can people expect to walk away from reading in this book? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I hope the person that reads this book walks away learning how to be more honest with themselves and learning how to look inwardly. So I have it broken into three sections, you know, look in, look up, look out and look in's a heavy section. And I don't really talk about God much in that section. I think, um, and kind of explaining like even just up to that point in the bathtub, uh, you know, I, um, I had to be really honest and real and raw with how I felt before I really could invite God in. And some that's not everybody's journey. And so that, you know, that might not be the person that reads journey, but I want them to walk away with being willing to be honest with themselves and know who safe people are and learn more of how to rethink maybe how they thought God was. Um, rethink the way that maybe childhood explained him to be in their life. If, or maybe if you don't know God, like I've also written it from the perspective of a t- it's a tender, it's like an invitation to you learning about my relationship with God, but it's not a projection that you have to know God in order to know that you're so worth loving. Mm. Um, you're so, you are absolutely so worth loving, uh, no matter, no matter what. And so, uh, I hope the person walks away feeling like they can be more honest with themselves and uh, have the have the bravery to ask the questions that lead them to learning why they are so worth loving. Because we can all tell everybody something. Like we can all tell everybody a bottom line message and mission. But if we haven't asked ourselves the questions to come up with the answers and really understand it, it won't sustain long long term. It will sustain short term and it'll feel good short term, but we've got to really believe it within ourselves. And so I just really hope that my book offers um, people to be able to explore that. 
I love that so much. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find So Worth Loving everywhere on January 19th. And y'all be sure to go follow Aaron on Instagram and everywhere you're on social media. It is E-R-Y-N-E-D-D-Y. So in case you thought that it was spelled something completely different, you're not alone in that. Um, I love how unique your name is. It's so cool. (laughs) But y'all go follow Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so much fun. We'll have to do it again. Let's do a co-host situation or something. Yes. We yes. can interview Kanye or something. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it so much. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Whatever you do with podcasts, go find it on YouTube now. Let's go. <laughs> but we will talk to y'all next week. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.